I don't know what Suga's problem was. He was completely unhinged. Like he literally looked like he had, I don't know, like eaten spaghetti right before gotten that like bok bok chicken chicken right ahead of time. I don't know what his deal was, but he just came out his energy. And like at one point uh, he was like, oh, I miss you. And we were all like, Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> Because when he said it, it was so sexy, and we we're just like, what the fuck is this problem? Yeah, you fucking with some wet ass pussy. Like pink in your area. Yeah, 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 you fucking with some wet ass pussy. Hello, welcome to Grown-Ass Phantom. I'm sorry that I've been away. Here's the thing. Okay, so I guess this will be a good time to sort of like announce a change in Grown-Ass Fandom. And that change is, is that like, okay, here's the deal. Like, I'm sure you could hear, like, once I realized, I was, like, listening back to my podcast last, whatever that was, a couple weeks ago, and realizing that I had to, like, get high to do it, was, like, mm. <laughs> maybe, like, the thing is, is that, like, I, I am a pandemic army, right? And so, like, I got into BTS because I was depressed. And I realized that over the last couple of months that BTS and this whole thing was, like, depressing me, which is sort of, like, you know, like, not the point at all. Like, it's supposed to be fun. And it had gotten to a point where it wasn't fun. And I had kind of girl boss like I usually do. It's, like, so typical um Shanae behavior to take something that's fun and make it into a thing and in a lot of ways I'm super excited that it's a thing like the people that I've met the community that I've built what I've done here is something that I am like extremely proud of but at the same time I just I need it to not be stressful like that's fucking crazy like it's just k-pop and there have been so many things that happened behind the scenes and stuff. And it was just like, what am I doing? Like, literally, they're just like seven Korean men singing songs. Like, what the fuck is going on? And so I decided to close my Patreon for the time being just to kind of like take the pressure off and not be sort of like beholden to anybody for any reason and just sort of like do everything for me. And as far as the podcast is concerned, just record when I'm feeling the vibe. Like when I have something to say and I'm excited to say it, I'll record and then otherwise I just like won't record because it's supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be fun. So that's why the schedule will be kind of like weird because I'm just going to start recording whenever I want. If you want to keep up with me consistently, definitely join my Instagram. 
that is where I post on Instagram every day because it's always fun for me. I miss community and talking to folks. And so it's where I can communicate with everybody. It's so yeah, grown ass fandom on Instagram is where you will find me the most. But yeah, I'm not going anywhere. I just am trying to take a step back so that this process and everything can be like fun for me again because like that's important because that's what we're trying to do is make it fun so yeah so that's kind of like why things will be the schedule will be sort of like a whatever schedule just for a while and you know like maybe grown-ass fandom will become a thing like we have really good numbers and stuff like that and I can have the resources to do other stuff but for now I just want to have fun I still have to move. I still have to get my surgery. There's still stuff that I need to do. And I can't be stressing out over K-pop. It just, like, doesn't, you know, it doesn't make sense. Oh, my God, this sweatshirt. I'm obsessed with this sweatshirt. It's so big and cozy. Okay, so that out of the way. Let's talk about... (sighs) So there's so many things that I'm excited to talk about. And I don't know how much of it I'm going to get to today because I don't want this podcast to be super super long I want to stay under an hour every week I would love to stay under 30 minutes if I can I've been listening to what is it (sighs) pop culture happy hour and I've been listening to that podcast for like almost 10 years and their episodes are all under 30 minutes and I'm like why can't I do that it's because I talk too fucking much is all but uh, yeah so we're gonna talk about permission to dance so i saw permission to dance twice i saw it on the 28th and the first and while i tried to meet up with people and all that stuff it was fucking impossible because and if you were there you will know why because sofi was a goddamn nightmare it was like a fucking mess it was like apocalyptic like it was crazy kind of like um the vibes of sofi we're just like nuts. And so it was like impossible, but I did meet quite a few of you. Thank you to everybody who stopped and said you like the podcast. Like, bro, like I truly, because of everything that has happened behind the scenes and stuff, I had gotten to this point where I like, you feel like what you do just sucks or you feel like you're just like, you know what I mean? Like you're not doing a good job and people like don't really you know and so it's so nice to have people kind of look at you in the eye and be like I really like your content I like what you're doing keep going it was really inspirational for me and so I appreciate everybody who stopped to do that because I think that in a lot of ways I was retaining all of the negative the negativeness that people were saying about me and it's like no like this podcast is really great and then I had also kind of developed bad feelings about my community in general because of like this bad situation that I had found myself in and these like you know people who made me feel bad about myself and it's like no grown-ass fandom is awesome Uh, you guys are all so great this podcast is awesome and so that's just what it is so thank you to everybody who said hello it was just like really exciting to me it was like an adventure I did a couple of TikToks not a ton of TikToks about it because The whole process itself was just so fucking overwhelming and I don't even like, how are we even going to talk about this? But I'm so excited to talk about it. So, okay, so let's start off by talking about this business around ARMY not being loud enough, ARMY sort of disrespecting people not deserving their tickets because they weren't hype enough for the concert based off of the opinions of people who were most likely not even there. I mean, it's 
absurd, but I think it's interesting to talk about and unpack where this sort of sentiment comes from and just to unpack it a little bit. So this idea, first of all, I think that one of the things that is really hard for people to grapple with as armies is that the decisions that BTS has made over the last year or two around their music and how they've positioned themselves has changed the audience of BTS. When you kind of combine their sort of like real focus on a more adult contemporary, more of an adult contemporary audience, which I know that we don't want to say this, we don't really want to fully kind of grapple with how the change of the the sort of Grammy music strategy, right? So the Grammy music strategy does go for kind of yield a song that is more adult. So it's either more adult or it's more childlike. And you can see that even through their collaboration with the with Coldplay. They're not necessarily a group who is like this cool... I mean, and I can say this like... I think they would agree they're not necessarily a group that's for Gen Z and they're not trying to like kind of target younger audiences. And so their songs uh, that they've created and this new sort of like branding that they have attracts more of an adult audience. And so adults who have jobs and responsibilities and have already done the work the expensive work of getting to LA. A lot of people came from out of town, spending thousands of dollars on their tickets, spending thousands of dollars on the hotel, spending hundreds of dollars on their tickets to on top of all that, have to learn the fan chants, have to know all the songs and all that stuff. It's just sort of like a lot to ask of people. I say this all the time, but despite what people tell you online, you know, like BTS is just a music group that we follow. We are not responsible for their experience in the world. We're not responsible for how they feel. All we are, they're entertainers and we are consuming their entertainment. You know, people who are at that concert are customers. So whether or not they were loud enough or not, they should not be made to feel guilty about that. They should not be made to feel any type of way around how they interacted with the BTS at the concert that they paid for. And like I said, I want to stress the fact that this was just not the case as far as like us being quiet. We were so fucking loud. Like my voice has not returned, but people should be allowed to enjoy the concert in every any way they wish. This idea... And again, and I know that this concept is the reason why BTS is so successful and popular, which is that like, we're all in this together. And what makes the boys happy is what makes us all happy. And like, we have to make sure that they are never hurt or whatever. And you know, this is, of course, a side effect of the boyfriend experience. Because if you are in an intimate relationship with something with somebody, you don't want to see them upset. You don't want to make you don't want to make them feel bad. You want them to be happy and satisfied and feeling good. But it's just it's not our responsibility. And anybody who paid their ticket to enjoy that concert could have just sat there and chilled and not said a damn thing, and that would be perfectly okay. And I don't think that BTS 
is up there being like, oh, they're not this. They're just happy to be there. I'm sure they were very nervous and excited. And the response of the audience and what they know and how they feel, when you're a performer, that's on you to kind of make it hype, make sure people, you know, know the songs and are really kind of engaged and all that stuff. Like that's a part of the role of a performer is to hype people up, making it on the the emphasis on army to create a reaction that we deem acceptable to be in the presence of bts is just absurd and also i saw i forgot what tiktoker was talking about this but it's also ableist because you know like i said in order to just to get into the bts concert right and i'm gonna speak from the experience of going on the 28th and the first and so on the 28th me and May went together, but May was standing in line for an hour before I even got there. So it was like 2.30, 3.30. So we were just standing there from 3.30 to 5.30 to get in. And then it took us probably till 6 to get in. And then we had to walk We had to walk all the way to our exit. You have to go up and down these stairs. You have to do all this shit. And it's all through chaos. Like, it's chaos getting in. And so when you get in, you're just sort of exhausted and overwhelmed. And then when you see them, it's just like, oh my God, like there they are. It's like this intense, this really intense experiment experience. And so I think that like, if people have any type of illness or invisible a sort of disability or anything like that, and they had to do that, then they are not going to be as hype or as excited and like know everything as anyone else. And also, like I said, it was loud. So I don't even really understand. I don't fully understand where this is coming from exactly. Like people sort of like vibe to the songs and if like if they don't know Korean to like vibe to the, you know what I mean? It's just like a lot to ask of people. And I just think it's just really unfair. And I just think this assertion that in addition to like, it, these, this trip, like I'm in LA and this trip was expensive for me. So like, to think about how much it costs for people who are not in LA is just sort of like staggering. And so this idea that they're not doing it well enough for older army acceptance and stuff like that, it's just absurd. And I think that also a lot of this response to the situation is frustration around the capitalism around BTS. And this is like something that I found really, really interesting when I was there and that there's like so much to unpack around BTS, ARMY, and CLASS, because, you know, depending on how much money you spent for your ticket, how much money you have access to really determined what your experience of that concert would be like. It like, it really dictated what your how safe you felt, because if you went through the VIP area or if you went through um, the what's it called? the kind of you were had soundtrack seats if you were really really close then your experience of the concert was very very different like you didn't have to worry about getting in you didn't have to worry about like toilets without toilet like porta potties without tissue like all this stuff that most of us had to deal with were taken away with with class and i think that's the other thing too is that like you know 
in order to access BTS, you have to have a certain amount of income and money. And I think part of the frustration around people not um, being as loud as people would like is also frustration around the economics of standing BTS. You know, there's this whole, there's like this other conversation that was happening about like, oh, your rich army, your cheap army, and like rich, quote unquote, rich army was sort of used kind of like in a derogatory way because people could afford to sort of invest to going on all the shows, all this stuff. And so a lot of ARMY were defending themselves for being able to afford this stuff. But again, you know, the economics of who follows BTS has really changed. Like when I was at the concert, there were not any children there. There was hardly any, like, everybody was around my age or around my age. Nobody was really super young. Everybody was, like, in their 20s and up. Like, the people who who follow BTS and stand BTS are adult professionals who have jobs and lives. And, again, they're not able to invest all their time and energy into learning fan chants and doing all that stuff because that's just not how their lives are and even if they like bts and love bts enough to invest in seeing them in la and coming here that doesn't necessarily mean that they have the time to invest in the kind of the life of the professional army and i mean we don't want to true like we want like we don't want to like say these and say it out loud because of what it means but when it comes to the success especially over the last year the billboard success is primarily a result of army who have money army who can invest in buying all those records like buying all those butter like you know what i mean like you know the whole reason why butter was on billboard for such a long time was because of physical sales and and it wasn't a lot of like people were buying multiple albums because of bts so like you know like these types of things contribute all to this vibe and i think it also contributes to the frustration and i think that people feel like if they there's like this protectiveness over BTS and sort of who gets to like them and who gets to engage with them and who gets to and what your fandom represents. But at the end of the day, when it comes to BTS, you can be a fan any way you want. But like when it comes to actually like what's contributing to the success of BTS, you know, beyond some of these gold, some of these awards that are kind of like, you know, voting oriented, a lot of that has to do with ARMY that has access to a certain level of funds and can kind of like help push some of this stuff forward. Do you know what I mean? Do you know what I'm saying? And again, people don't necessarily want to kind of like say that or really think about how liking BTS and being able to engage with BTS requires so much money. And obviously there are kind of like ways in which army has created opportunities for people to kind of engage with these things without paying obviously illegal links stuff like that if you're doing like for example like i was thinking about this myself like before i even saw bts in concert i spend so much money just to participate in the online concerts in the soup like all this stuff costs money and yes, we get a lot of free content, but as far as like really being able to stand BTS and engage 
with the depth of BTS, it requires money. And the reason why BTS is where they are is because of the money that it costs to do some of these things. So yeah, that's some of my thoughts about it. I mean, I think it's, again, a lot of it is jealousy, of course, but I think it's, it's a lot of what needs to happen is I think army need to really come to grips with the fact that like BTS as a band, his identity has changed because of these last couple songs. I see all these jokes that are like BTS hasn't changed and but the majority, like the big jump in success and sort of what's happening is a result of these English language songs. So many people are coming because of these English speaking songs. So it's like, you have to make up your mind. Do you want them to be successful or not? Because if you want them to be successful and grow and expand, you have to allow them to attract people who are kind of outside of like, like professional kind of TM army who have all this time and energy to be devoted to BTS 24 seven. Cause that's just like not realistic if they want to continue to grow and now obviously there's so much stuff happening right now as far as like the new chapter and so maybe like the the style of music will change back or it'll kind of like go back to embracing more of like a a younger audience or whatever but for now this is kind of what it is you know so let me know what you think about that. What about that whole conversation? It was just absurd. And again, like I can't, I cannot say enough about how loud it was in there. So a lot of this is like unfounded to me, but I think it's worth unpacking this this conversation regardless. Okay, so let's get into sort of like my specific concert experience and the vibe and everything that I experienced going to the concert. So you know, getting into SoFi was kind of crazy. I went with May and I had like, it was like, I know that BTS is popular, but I remember, I forgot what a sister wife at one point told me that, you know, she, she had been listening to the podcast, right? And she was like, you know, something that helps that feeling of being so attached and enamored and like, fixated on bts is seeing them live and i thought that that was like really interesting but basically she was saying and i forgot which sister i was saying this is that like once you see kind of the scale in which bts is popular a lot of sort of like the boyfriendy kind of like experience gets broken because you see that like you know something i always say and like i feel like i should put it on a t-shirt at some point is that I'm just another bitch that loves Namjoon. But I think that when you're in the intimacy trap of BTS and what they've created around, you know, the marketing of the boyfriend experience combined with the pandemic and the isolation, it forms, you form a different type of relationship with BTS. I feel like when... uh, sort of army who like I said have this sort of pandemic relationship with BTS where it feels very personal and isolated a big part of that like part of like the side effect of being a pandemic army in a lot of ways is that you do not really get to experience BTS with anybody else even though people kind of like yell about BTS online or you might be in a Facebook group or whatever 
it still feels very personal and it still feels like kind of intimate because you yourself are very isolated. At least I was because I took, you know, the pandemic very, very seriously. So, I mean, like me going to the concert was one of the first big things that I had done in years. And so when you get there and you see BTS and you see kind of like how you're sitting alongside people who are like freaking out, but they're freaking out in exactly the same way you are. And even though like I have friends who are army and I met a lot of army friends, like seeing it at that scale really kind of helps to kind of like crystallize the fact that BTS is not your boyfriend. (laughs) Like they are really not your boyfriend. They're everybody's boyfriend. And I never got around to, um, this is all my Patreon, but my Patreon's like, it's, it, it doesn't exist anymore, but I always like the biggest kind of like cornerstone of my kind of like experience with BTS is porn. Right. And thinking about how the whole point of K-pop and BTS is that you were meant to feel like it's a fantasy industry. Right. And it's sort of like all about them forming around your fantasy, not just forming around your fantasy, giving you the space to build versions of the guys that fit your fantasy. And so not only did you, you kind of, you sit there and you're having the experience of BTS and you're not just like, oh, I'm just another bitch, but you're also kind of experiencing them for the first time and realizing how much of the vision of BTS and how they're seen is really kind of dictated by the fandom and their own fantasies about the members. Because the discrepancy between like who they are in person and on stage versus like who they're built out to be on TikTok or Instagram or through edits and everything like that, there was a noticeable difference. And so it was really interesting to kind of like come face to face with that and kind of see what the discrepancies are and also see how much of BTS and their kind of the, the mythical quality of them and how they've been really carefully marketed to be like, cause I always get on here and I'm like, you know, BTS like have these personalities and stuff like that and they have all this stuff, but really they're leaving a lot of space for us to kind of like fill in and kind of like make decisions around how we feel like they actually are. Do you know does that make sense? So it's like, I think a good example of this is Jungkook. So like seeing him, like when you experience him online because he's such a, so I've, and I've said this before that Jungkook is like very much a cipher for sexual energy and that he is somebody who is more like presented as a vessel for your sexual energy desires and understanding. And, you know, he, he gives just enough to be just like desirable, kind of perfect. And then you fill in with all these other characteristics. And especially when it comes to JK on camera or JK on stage, there's been a lot of, you know, he's edited, he's edited in such a way that's like 
very kind of like sexual he is even like presented by hybe as sort of like this vessel of like sexuality he gets outfits specifically that kind of fit this agenda of of you know jk being sort of like this badass sort of like but sweet type of figure and really when you see jk on stage she's just like this energizer bunny like his actual nature is sort of like this sort of sweet airy you know sweet airy kind of bouncing around dude who will kind of like stop and play sexy for a little bit and then he will like go into what he feels like is more natural to him which is i think is to be sort of like this vessel for boundless energy and enthusiasm and just excitement for being on stage and the person who i think represents more of the way jk is edited is i would say either namjoon or sugar namjoon and sugar both sugar namjoon and sugar both have this like extremely intense sexual energy like i have never i was not expecting that at all like i I would say that like overall as far as like performance wise the young line totally surprised me but as far as like being because like I think that like I said if you think about edits and how everyone is edited on TikTok and Instagram or whatever you would say that like on stage it's all about the uh, maknae line and that's just like not the case at all because like and I don't know if it's because of the pandemic has changed things but on stage for me at least it was like the young line were so commanding and sexy and confident and assure of themselves and like more casual and they were like they seemed more they seemed even more comfortable on the stage and that's not saying that like the macrae line was like not good on stage obviously they were beautiful amazing i was like literally cursing them out the same like but like to kind of really get a sense of this discrepancy between how they're presented and how the fandom perceives them versus like who they are has been really really interesting but yeah so like jk is like this like bottle like this like he just like explodes and like jumps around stage (laughs) like that's like he's just like this bottle of energy of this like kind of like untapped energy and then he will like stop and like do his movements and then we'll just like run around and so okay so i guess we can just like go through each of them and we'll do the macro line first so yeah that's jk it's just like this ball of energy and excitement i think that jimin is like what you would jimin okay jimin i guess tay is next but we'll do jimin so jimin is like again like there's this whole reputation around him and i've already fought against this before of him being like this serious not i mean sort of being like this kind of fairy tale angel type presence on stage but he's not that at all he's actually very powerful and like masculine on stage he has like this real presence like obviously he's very fluid in his movements but his presence is not really angel-like at all it's just very like he's just like he the way that he flows and moves is just like remarkable and amazing but again like he's he's like this he you know it's so funny because I realized how wrong I was in a lot of ways about him because he is like kind of like cute because remember I think the last time I got on here before I was like oh he's like I was like the I think I I was wrong about this because I was like oh like 
the Jim and cute thing is like bullshit. Like he's full of shit, but like he is legitimately has like a very cute, like not necessarily cute, but he's like very like sweet. He's like a very sweet natured person, like a very sweet natured kind of open, but masculine person. And you can also tell that like, and then again, like a sort of like the intense interaction. So like, here's another thing. A lot of the sort of like interactions between JK and Jimin get kind of played up because of the kind of like everybody thinks that they're together, whatever. But the other thing you'll notice is that like Jimin acts that way with every single one of the members. Like he like he just like has that energy with everybody. And I thought that was really interesting too because there was this one moment and people were like, "Oh my god, nobody they're never going to um escape the shipping allegations." But then like literally before that, he had another moment with like Namjoon that was like similar and then another moment with Tay that was like the same so I think that that is another interesting sort of like revelation about Jimin's presence is that he just is kind of like a whore like he's just he's just like slutty and like in a good way you know what I mean like he just is like very open but I just couldn't get over her the fact that like yeah like there's all this like angel fairy sassy agenda and yes that's there but really he's just like very masculine the way he dances the way he like shows up and his energy he's very much like a perfectionist he doesn't miss a move and just like is very much like a team player type of person do you know what I mean like again I think that when they are recording them or they're kind of making footage they kind of like make him like oh he's like a a centerpiece type of person but really like Jimin really kind of fades into the background and is like very much a team player and is like very much in the team dynamics of the situation does that make sense so that is Jimin I think Tay is exactly what you would expect I mean like Tay like I think that this also you know this also kind of like shows because I always say that like of everyone I feel like Tay is the closest to himself and I think and obviously I don't know how much we're going to be able to get into the Instagrams this week I think that that's just going to be a whole other podcast I think I want to give it a week like obviously like with Instagram there's so much we can say (laughs) and it's only been a couple days but like I want to kind of give us a whole week so I can kind of make a full assessment but taste is exactly the way he's advertised like he's what we expected he's just sort of like fun goofy sexy very himself on stage so I think that there's no like real discrepancy around like his presentation versus his attitude and stuff like that okay Namjoon so there's a video of me freaking out about Namjoon on TikTok that May took of me and I was just like looking at him just slack jawed just open mouthed completely out of my out of my mind because the thing about Namjoon is that like he is so hot in person like and I'm not even just being like um biased everybody said that like literally everybody everybody I talked to was like Namjoon and Suga were like way hotter than I could ever imagine the thing about Namjoon is that he has this like intense confidence he's like stern he's kind of serious type of energy around him like it's so amazing like he is just so hot like I can't tell like it's like the sexuality oozes off of him when he talks and stuff like that he's just like very confident self-assured like he's a complete 
person. I think that a lot of times some of the members of BTS really feel like that they are formed around their relationship with ARMY. I would say that Jimin and JK are both people that I feel like because of maybe the ages that they have come up with ARMY and stuff like that, a huge aspect of their sense of self is dependent on army and that's like a part of them but like namjoon is like a complete person that i feel like exists outside of all this and that confidence and that self-assuredness on stage was just like so sexy like every time he would come on stage and rap or sing i would like lose my mind and again like there's i feel like this branding around bts that like the young line are sort of like the business workhorses of bts and the stage mackney line are like the stage people they're like the ones who are like amazing on stage and that's just like not the case like his presence every time you would say his lines he just was so um magnetic and when he and i feel like i got a good sense of his personality like he's sort of like this sardonic kind of like sarcastic sexy kind of like at one point we were doing we were trying to do like the army bomb wave or i wasn't i didn't have an army bomb and he was like literally calling us stupid and i was like this is so hot you know what i mean like he's like a kind of like a he's like i have i'm gonna have so many i have so many more thoughts about nam when we talk about his instagram but he felt like he feels like very fleshed out to me. And I feel like that makes him sexy as well. Cause I feel like he also is somebody who loses pretense when he's on the stage and just is like him fully experiencing things. And I remember somebody was like, and of course, you know, he was cursing up a storm and all that stuff. And I think that he just is like unleashed and is like really fully kind of being himself. And I wonder how that's going to reflect stuff in the future like is this gonna be like the beginning of him being sort of like wilder and unrestrained is this a part of like divorce era namjoon where he's feeling like a lot more freedom it could be the success that is making him feel a lot more freedom around stuff i think it's like i think it's just really uh, i don't know i feel i'm gonna answer a couple uh, questions later and one of the questions is, like, who surprised you the most? And I think, yeah, like I said, Namjoon's presence really surprised me. Like, I cannot tell you how fine that man is. He's so fine in a way that I, like, wasn't, I did not anticipate. I was not expecting that at all for him to just, like, be sexy like that. Okay, then we have Hobie. I think Hobie is to what was to be expected. Like, Hobie all the hype one of the unfortunate parts of this concert specifically and it's something i noticed when i was listening to permission to dance or was watching the by the way did i say this the show is pretty much identical to the digital show so if you bought the and you saw the show that was whenever that was was that october it's the same show same fits all that stuff so the hobies doesn't have a ton of lines in this because they were doing sort of like combos of each songs they're doing lots of like pieces of different songs but his disease verse is probably one of the best parts of the concert like when he sings disease and for some reason i don't know i think it's, it has to do with the lyric june gets on his knees and barks like a dog i don't <laughs> i don't know what that is so he so he's that part is probably one of the best parts of the concert anytime he is able to sing and perform was one of the best parts he is incredible he's beautiful 
he's sexy he has this like amazing attractive energy like i said anything that like he was hyped up to be everything and more for sure hobie i feel like okay so sugar i would say is probably the big story of the concert i think that everybody was talking about sugar everybody was talking about sugar he looked amazing. I was not sold on the red hair when I saw it for the American Music Awards. But by the time he got to the concert, he had settled in. I don't know if it was because that arm was really affecting him more than we thought. But his energy, his enthusiasm, again, just sex. Like, sex on stage. Every time the camera would come on him, he would like he was, like, growling all the time. If you were sugar biased, I don't know. I feel, I mean, I feel for you. As an OT7, OT7, I felt for myself um, because it was too overwhelming, too intense. But uh, especially on night two, which I will talk about the differences between the different nights and like my thoughts about all that. But especially on the 28th, he had lost his fucking mind. He had truly he had truly lost it. Like he was just so happy to be up there. Again, I think that Suge is one of those people who has this reputation, especially the branding of him being like somebody who is just sort of like, you know, he's the, he is the producer and he enjoys the music aspect of it. And you don't really kind of connect him with the performance part of it, but his sort of like sexiness and intensity on stage was something that really surprised me. And I think it surprised a lot of people. I don't think anybody was quite expecting him to be that sexy and that good on stage. I wasn't. And it was, again, I was like, I was just like shocked me. Like I was legitimately shocked by how sexy he was and how, much energy and intensity he had for the stage and like how much the kind of like camera loved him and just loved his face and like his skin was beautiful it was just like it was overwhelming so that was sugar Jin, okay Jin is first of all like Jin is somehow hotter in person first of all they're all hotter in person which is like hard to believe the idea that they could be finer in person is sort of a lot to grapple with, but they were, could not be Jen. Like every single note he went for, he hit. His singing was probably the best of the night, arguably. Like he, not only does he never miss a note, his voice is always very clear. They, I feel like Sofi had some issues with the audio but Jin was always able to be heard. You could always hear his voice clear as a bell, like just incredible. Like I was just, again, like taken aback again. Jin is somebody who, you know, gets pushed as sort of like the joke person, the whatever, but he's amazing on stage too. So yeah, those are my assessments of everybody. Again, everybody is like so much finer in person that you can like ever imagine. It was like fucking crazy super fine okay so let's talk about like the individual shows so i went on the 28th and the first 28th i went with may on the first i went may maybe may, may, may. celebrity of the fucking concerts like i'm sure you saw her or met her she was everywhere and then natalie and our experiences were totally different so for the first show i met up with my friend cheryl who is bon voyage nuna 
read her fanfics. So we hung out for a little bit and then I met and stood with May in line. She managed to get in line pretty early. So she was pretty close to the to the front so we didn't really have much drama getting in and I think the first show I (coughs) so overall I didn't take much footage in general because I was just so in shock I was so overwhelmed by the experience it was just so like unlike anything that I had ever experienced before it was just crazy it was just fucking crazy so the first show was really overwhelming like again that's why like these assertions that we were not loud are so ridiculous because literally we were screaming through the fucking music videos like during the music videos we had like lost our minds like that scene where like tay puts the um with his tongue you're like ah ah!" like it was just like so amazing and visceral and intense um, and overwhelming just seeing them and having them like be there. I had pretty good seats for both days. I think one of the question was what view did I like better? So I was on the 300 level on the first floor to the right of the stage and that was like a pretty good view. But then also I was on the 200 level and which was like straight on. So they were like right in front of me. So that was a good view too. So I think they were like about even. So the hype was so energy. The energy of the the was so intense the sets were pretty i think they're pretty much the same i want to say i don't know it all blended together i think something else that people um ask me is like how much of it do you remember and it's like not much like especially when you're really present in it like i don't know how fan cam armies do it because it's so overwhelming you just want to like be in it and experience it and i was just like sort of letting it like wash over me in a way so Obviously, the only reason why I would say that I liked the first show better than the second show was because Megan was there. And, like, it was so funny because once Megan came, I have never heard anything so loud in my life. Like, the whole building just, like, basically started to shake. And it was, like, again, what was really interesting about army and the way that, like, we reacted and interacted with BTS is that, like, I feel like we didn't, like, scream. We were, like moaning like we were like like it was like this like visceral sound that was like coming from our spirit because again like I said like especially if you're a pandemic army you've only ever experienced BTS and the small scream and they don't like feel real to you really and I guess like depending on like where you sat you experience might feel like oh they're still not real but like I felt like from where I was sitting like they were there standing there and I was like oh my god like they're real they're this like there's that like but yeah when Megan came out during the first show the energy was just like crazy it was really intense I always I've been telling people that I felt like the 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 show on the 28th was like for me specifically because it was like definitely the whole night like like everybody like okay so here's another thing that's really interesting about going to see the shows and seeing bts especially if you see them multiple times is again i think that we're so used to experiencing bts as like figures very rehearsed very consistent performances but you can tell when you see them live is that like 
they're very energy dependent. So like the energy for each show was slightly different. So for example, the 28th was just like a horny show. Like they were all just like very sexy, like unleashed. It was just like horny. It's just like a horny show. I can't even like explain why I say that, but there's just something about the vibe of it just that felt like very horny to me. And and then Megan being there and having seeing them react to Megan and like seeing Namjoon legitimately like, okay, let's talk about this for a second. And okay, again, let's remove Megan out of this because I don't think Megan, Megan is very happy with party. Like that relationship is very set and clear and nobody is doubting that. But like, and, and I was like sitting there and I was like, it does like Namjoon legitimately have a crush on Megan. And in order to like, so like, and I was like, oh, okay, maybe like he just acts this way. And I wasn't around for Halsey and Namjoon. I know there's like rumors around Halsey and Namjoon and like whether they were dating. I don't think that they were, especially since I look back at the footage between them. And there was like very much, definitely very friendly, very specific vibes. And I think it's really interesting that the vibe between Namjoon and Megan and Namjoon and Halsey is very different in a very different in a very specific way. And I'm not saying that Megan is giving that energy back at all. But I want to know, do you think that Namjoon has a crush on Megan? Like for real? Like, I know that we've, like, been unpacking these interactions and stuff like that, but, and, and again, maybe him, like, literally yeeting Jungkook, like, literally, he literally, like, pushed Nam Jungkook out of the way to get next to Megan to do that part of the performance. Maybe it was just him trying to get in front of the camera, or what? I'm not sure, but what do you think? Do you think he legitimately has a crush on him? Or at least, or at least if he's not like has a crush on her, like legitimately like is very attracted to her. Give me your thoughts. Reach out to me on Instagram. Reach out to me on Twitter and tell me if you think that he legitimately has a crush on Megan. I, I don't know. I, I mean, there's only so much you can fake with body language and stuff like that. And I don't know, again, and then the other thing is that, like, Namjoon's just a sexy dude, so maybe that's just him. I don't know. You tell me what you think. Because even, like, from far away, we were like, damn. Like, the fact that you could, like, again, like, there's almost, again, there's only so much you can hide, right? Like, the fact that, like, from way back in the 300 level we still were like my man Namjoon is ready to risk it all means that there's something there right and again this isn't to say that nobody would act on anything this could just be like Namjoon divorce era going through it seeing Megan loving it and being into it I don't know what do you guys think what do you think about that let me know. Let me know. Let a girl know what you think. But yeah, I mean, she was amazing. The first half of her talking, you could, we couldn't even hear her set because of the sound. Again, I cannot stress how horrible SoFi is as an organization. They really did not do a good job. So as far as the set, so I am somebody who 
is a big fan of the Permission to Dance set anyway. So like when I saw it on the streaming, I liked it and I liked it here too. It's a really energetic set. I heard some songs that I wasn't like as familiar with as a Ratchet Army and I really liked it. And that's the other thing that's so like, like I feel like concerts are a really good time to discover songs because like I said like if you are a pandemic army there's just so much like BTS has so much music and nobody really has the time or the energy to be a full-time listener and there's like music that you don't hear that's what was so good about Bang Bang Con um I think that's a huge point of touring is to introduce new songs that people might not have heard before. But yeah, so the first show I think was just like very energetic, very horny. Jen did a pel- like did his pelvic thrust during Bapse, which is I knew was purely for me. Purely for me. Those, you know, thrusts were just him being like, Shanae, I know you're out there. And him telling everybody, listen to Grown Us Fand Up. And I appreciate that, Jen. I really appreciate you doing that. So, yeah, that's what the show was. So, I think that, like, they, the, the, it was really cool to see, okay, so, like, what were my favorite kind of moments from the first show? Obviously, Megan, Jin's pelvic thrust, just seeing Bapsay in general live is just amazing, kind of crazy times. I really, really loved the remixes they used so I got a lot of mixed reviews about like the setup and the actual stage and everything like that I think that the only kind of like thing that I have that I didn't like about the stage is that the the graphics I thought were kind of distracting I realized why they were there because they couldn't really do as much sort of physical things you know they usually use a lot of props and stuff like that and they weren't able to do that probably in the time constraint and weren't able to invest in doing all that for three shows but I think that just like show the guys show them on the big screen that's all we want to see so my favorite again like I think again like do I remember it it just is like one big overwhelming experience but I really loved Bapsay I really loved seeing them Black Swan you guys know that I'm a blood like literally I feel like again the concert was for me because they played all my favorite songs if you know me you know that my favorite BTS songs are Dope, Blood, Sweat, and Tears, and Bapsay. Those are my favorite PTS songs, and they played all of them. So, like, I can't complain about anything. Also, Disease is one of my top songs. And so they performed all those. Seeing Black Swan is amazing. I think somebody asked me to kind of talk about the fits. The fits, again, the fits are exactly the same as the concert with just some variations. For example, they, like, JK wore glasses one time, one time he didn't. Sometimes Hobie would wear his hat, sometimes he didn't. As far as, like, what the fits look like and sort of the impact that they had in person I feel like JK still had the best fit of the whole concert his black swan sort of like moody fake love fit is just phenomenal and I think that a close second to that fit is of course Hobie's spacesuit which was incredible it looks amazing on the stage but I think that there's nothing as far as like impact like JK's outfit in that moment it just like has a lot of like visual interest and just looks really really good I still don't love I don't love the fits in the later part of the concert I don't know they just the I guess it would have the butter dynamite fits I feel like they could be like a little bit more high impact they just seemed kind of pedestrian for that um, big of a stage like they didn't translate that well 
on stage, but even though they look really looked hot in them. Like for example, I think at one point uh, Jimin takes off his hat and his jacket and he just looks amazing, sweaty, beautiful. Oh, that's the other thing about Jimin on stage is that he's really funny on stage. I guess we'll talk about this in a second when we talk about the difference between the show and the second show. But yeah, the fits, again, the fits are the same both nights. But again, I think the JK fit is like one of the best things he's ever worn. I would say. And you can tell that he really likes it and feels confident in it. Hobie's fit. I don't even remember what Namjoon or Suga were wearing because they were just so fine. Uh, I also really love Jin's on fit at the beginning. I think it's really great. It fits him well. As we know that the fit issues with Jin are always happening. Another thing. Okay, so like, we don't have time to talk about this. But So like after the concerts, they did the Jingle Ball, Jingle Bell Ball. Their fits for that were amazing. Sort of Yoongi's fit. Incredible. Like, why didn't they just wear those fits to the American Music Awards? It's just so weird. The stylists continue to baffle me. Also, not just those fits were also excellent. The fits for just tonight. So I'm ta- I'm talking to you about this on Thursday. They did a special James Corden performance, which I knew about because several sister wives were there. And like I said, everybody met BTS when they were here, except for me. The fits that night were also great and they could have worn to the American Music Corps. So I don't understand what's going on with them and Louis Vuitton. Oh, uh, rest in peace, Virgil. Uh, just, I can't believe he's gone. What a, I'm like, I have mixed thoughts about his work, but like the impact that he had and the artistry can't be understated. So wanted to take a second to say that, but yeah. So those are some of my thoughts on the fits in the first show. Like I said, the first fit was the first show was just like super horny, very unrestrained. I think the first show they were probably a little bit nervous, but the second show they were just like, ah, which I really appreciated, really liked it. So the second show, I feel like the second show was just like more of like a bestie show. Like I feel like it was more conversational. Tay was like having fun with his, what's it called? Squid Game stuff. I have not seen Squid Game. I want to know, like, what is it like for somebody who's rich like Tay to watch Squid Game? Like, does he ever, <laughs> like, does he like analyze that at all? Or is he just like examining it? Something to add, something to think about. Um, it just felt like a very much a bestie show. Like Jimin was being super silly. There was like a lot of like interactions on stage that are like some of the interactions we see edits for just like very like fun, kind of cute. Like, Hey, we're besties. I think Namjoon had also settled down a little bit. Oh, also I wanted to say the difference between Namjoon and the first half of the show and the second half of the show after Megan was like noticeable. I feel like after (laughs) Megan was out and stuff like that, he was just like energized and he was just like all over the place. I think it's just interesting how like a lot of the show, a lot of the songs that they usually do choreography for, they were just sort of like running around and like interacting with the crowd for, which I really, really like. At one point they kind of sing disease in like the B songs and they're on this little thing that kind of goes goes around the the stadium which was pretty cool yeah so like again the second show was like the bestie show there's just like a lot of sweet cute moments and I was still feral but I feel like the second show was like more prepared I was with Natalie and Natalie hadn't seen them yet and she was just like what and we were and again you just like scream because like seeing them is so intense and it's such a party and it was so fun and the vibes were so fun so I really really liked it and yeah I guess that's like the concerts I feel like there's like so much to say but let's get into questions so like I asked 
Instagram. And again, like if you do not follow me on Instagram, follow me on Instagram because I talk about a lot. I am on there every day. And with, like I said, the change in schedule and stuff like that, it'll be the best time and way to keep up with me. Favorite song performed. I think I already said that. I definitely think I really liked the fake love, blood, sweat, and tears section i just because i love blood sweat and tears and i love fake love but also i loved babse and that whole section too so i don't know don't ask me i don't know dope it was all so good i talked about the fits because it was like concert fit deep dive like i said the fits are basically the same as the digital concert can you talk about day two sugar what was sugar sugar why don't i keep calling them sugar i'm just gonna call them sugar day two sugar what was <laughs> oh what were what was his problem i don't know what the fuck his problem was i don't know what suga's problem was he was completely unhinged like he literally looked like he had i don't know like eaten spaghetti right before gotten that like bok bok chicken chicken right ahead of time i don't know what his deal was but he just came out his energy and like at one point uh, he was like oh i miss you and we were all like jesus fucking christ because when he said it it was so sexy and we we're just like what the fuck is his problem i think in my audio i'm like what is his problem what is he doing so i don't know what his deal was i mean i guess that surgery and kind of removing that pain really made a difference it made me actually think of myself because as you know like this is a very nasal it's so funny that you guys are like oh we like your voice we can hear you talk but i'm just like literally like <laughs> like breathing all over this mic what is life going to be like when I can actually breathe through my nose because like I said I still have to get my nasal surgery time will tell I'm like really really excited like so am I gonna have like a sugar of sugar <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ a sugar revelation as far as like my sex appeal is gonna increase because oh my god I've been moving my uh, videos from TikTok to Instagram and looking at like former photos of myself and I was just like so much hotter earlier this year do you know when like time really fucks fucks you up and like you know you can like see time on your face and like your body <sighs> let's hope 2022 is better okay so yeah so I don't know what was up with sugar but again like I think he so I got another question it's like who was the biggest shock and who like bias wrecked you the most let me tell you oh my god funny story I did this twice like literally with two different people because I can't help it I <laughs> once it, oh my gosh once it was I met okay somebody asked me what it was like to meet May for the first time and and Kim was one of the people I did this with and I forgot that like Kim's not a sister wife but <laughs> like because people like so one of the things that happens in the concerts you talk to a lot of army by the way again thank you for all the army and army do this thing that I fully do not understand where they really fuss about their biases they're like I feel like I'm having an identity crisis because who am I what am I bias and you know me I don't believe in biases and so I was like biases are anti-black <laughs> Kim looked at me like what and this literally happened twice it was like with Kim and then I was with another group and the girl's like I don't know I could like this person I could like this person and I was like biases are anti-black and they literally both <laughs> both groups of people looked at me just like horrified and I was like all right all right and I, there was like multiple instances where like when I was talking to sister wives you guys got it I was like spaghetti da, da, da. and you're like yeah yeah yeah. but like I was like because I met a lot of different new people I met I met a lot of y'all again I still didn't I'm just like I guess I'm not gonna have a ton of TikTok friends 
Because I did not meet a lot of fellow TikTokers, unlike May. Like, May met everybody. Because, again, oh, my gosh, because this is the thing. I didn't make it to their meetup because of all the craziness outside of SoFi. So I didn't even get – oh, my gosh, it was crazy. I'll tell – the second show – okay, the second show, basically, so me and Natalie – we got to the second show and we arrived before we got out of the car because Natalie, so Natalie was supposed to go with her mother. Should I, I'm going to check and make sure I can tell this story when I, but, so if you hear it, you hear it. But, um, so like before we went in, we had a shot and I haven't drank in forever. And then when we saw the lines, we got so over, it was so overwhelming because like I said, when I got to the first night I did, I just went in line with May. And also the second night was really, was a lot better. I think what happened was with the third show, everybody got scared because of the stories of the first show and the second show. So everybody was in line super early. Like people were in line at like, I guess one or 12 or something like that. And so we got out and we were just like overwhelmed. And so we went back to the car and we like drank and then we got drunk and then we got in line with um, Natalie and we met some of her friends and we managed to stand in line with them. So that made things a lot easier. But we were like drunk going in. We got drunk ahead of time. <laughs> it was like a lot different experience because like the first show I had taken a gummy and I was like, OK, cool. But for this one, it was just like no gummy. I just was drunk. And I feel like that kind of changed the experience as well because I was just like, it's just like kind of like silly, feral situation. But we we were because because I remember Natalie being like, oh, my God, like it's so intense. They're so beautiful. These are anti-black. And they were like, ah, and they were like horrified. And I was like, oopsie. Oops. So again, nobody and not everybody is like into all this. But yeah, I'd say that I was bias wrecked the most if I believed in biases, which I don't, um, by sugar. 100% sugar. Because like I expected for Namjoon to affect me that way. I didn't expect it to be to that extent when literally I could like I don't even have any footage of him because every time he like came on stage, I was like stunned. I just was like shook by it and shook by like how present and like like the personality and everything like that like he just was like there fully do you get what I'm saying so definitely sugar I, I also think that like I mean everybody knows that I'm obsessed with Jin so like that didn't surprise me but I still also with Jin I was like man that motherfucker is beautiful holy shit are you alive not really I still am recovering from it. Like, it, I will never. I so I don't know if that experience of SoFi and the chaos and how awful it is is like typical of BTS concerts. But I don't need to go to two shows. I think for now on, I will only go to one show. The fact that people went to four shows, three shows, you guys are warriors because, like I said, just like getting in and experiencing all that and getting there early, the Ubers like trying to get out of the out of a concert trying to find a ride all that is a lot it's so much and I don't I, I like I'm not going to a concert for a long time I'm going to be I didn't like I said I didn't have to enter the Hunger Games for my BTS tickets but I will tomorrow because I want twice tickets so how do you feel like I said the experience of seeing BTS like you like it's so funny because like I said it it makes you more delusional but less delusional like your attraction to them feels very potent potent and intense but also you realize that your attraction to them is really you're just attracted to a celebrity that's really good at 
creating intimacy, you know? And I think that that has like even added with Instagram because I was literally just talking to a sister wife about this, about how like, and then, cause what happens is, is, you know what, here's something, I don't know if I should, should I talk about this now or should I talk about this when we talk about Instagram? I'll just mention it. I'll just mention it. You know what? This whole experience with BTS and their Instagrams and stuff like that was the first time where I was like, you know what? I kind of miss men. And by missing men, I mean like I miss a two-sided, two-way intimacy relationship. Like I feel like the concert and the Instagram and this constant hype of them doing things and me just reacting on my own is like starting to like wear on me, which is like really crazy because I never thought that I would get to this point where I was like, okay, that's enough. But I feel like I'm finally kind of getting to not like that. Like, obviously I still freak out about them. I still think they're beautiful. They're amazing. But like, especially with Instagram, I'll talk about next week, the overstimulation and the over, like the constant hype around their actions And it's like hype and energy that doesn't feel like it's yours. So like kind of just getting tired of sharing almost, you know what I mean? Like being on the receiving end of this energy that's not for you specifically. That's something that I've been grappling with because what it does, it like, like it's, it's, and again, I will kind of like. I will really flesh this out next week or whenever the fuck the next podcast comes out. But like, I was just like, I was like literally like sitting here. I was like, oh my God, does this like make me miss men? Because it just makes me want to, I want my own, like I want to get back to having my own things. So that's how I feel. Let me know if that makes sense. Okay, next question. Is it okay to have upper seats? I think it depends. So Sasha, she had really high seats, but because of the like jumbotron thing, like she couldn't really see. I mean, I've had a couple people experience that that said that like the high seats kind of made it a little bit more difficult and the vibe was different up there. So I think that if you get 500 levels, your seats where you are in the 500 level really makes a difference. Like I said, I was on the 200 level and the 300 levels and both times. I mean, I got lucky because both of my seats were really good. So I didn't have that experience. Did I cry? No. No. What moment will you remember most clearly? Definitely the Megan moment. Definitely like what I really what what I go back to over and over again is when they were introducing themselves and you could see their big screens on stage and the yells and the screams that kind of like really got me what show was better like I said I don't think either show was better than the other I think that the Megan show felt more special because Megan was there and you guys know how I feel about Megan she's like she means so much to me and so seeing her was just like crazy how do I feel about permission to dance now this is such a great question because as you know because I hated permission to dance with like every every part of my being like nobody is more of a permission to dance anti than I was so much so that like I'd only heard it like I don't know four or five times you cannot do that with the permission to dance show like it's everywhere like you hear it before songs, like at the beginning, 
they would sing it and it's just like so how do I feel about not I think it's an okay song like it doesn't bother me as much as it used to like I think it's like oh it's fine I don't hate it anymore like whenever I hear it I feel like now when I hear it I think about the concert so it kind of makes me feel better about it so I don't hate it as actively as I did still don't love it still don't love it were you surprised about them being finer in person yes I was shocked because I was shocked like first of all okay here's a couple things about BTS in person they are hotter than person but they are small guys they're all very small like very slight which makes sense because of their obsession with weight loss and of course um Korea and all that stuff everybody's small but they're all small guys like I feel like Namjoon is the only one who you could describe as not small but he's still not a big guy but like especially like JK Jin they're just like small they're like smaller than I expected um still beautiful all that stuff a little also bigger like taller taller but thinner like very very tiny guy so whenever uh people are like he's so big he's so no they're not <laughs> they're not so big they're not so big and again it's really again I keep going back to this but it's sort of like the fantasy gap between who they really are and kind of what the kind of branding around them is is very fascinating okay I think those are all the questions that I got any final thoughts? I really liked the. I really loved seeing them. I feel really grateful that my friends came to my aid to like kind of inspire me to go. I felt very safe. Like I think Army was very serious about their masks. They even wore them outside. I had a lot of fun. I made. I made a lot of friends. Met a lot of cool people. Uh, I wish we could like meet up as Army like that again soon. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like this is already like super long. And I feel like I'll have more to say, even more to say next week, because I feel like I'm still digesting everything that came up around all this stuff. But yeah, reach out to me on Instagram at Grown-Ass Fandom or Twitter, just hey, Shanae. I'm going to be, oh my God, y'all, we couldn't get the d-shirts done. Okay, so a long time ago, like literally back in uh, March, when I sort of hit 10K followers, I said that I was going to make Grown-Ass Army t-shirts. And it's taken a long process, but we finally have those done soon. So those should be out really, really soon if you want to, like, get a grown-ass army t-shirt and support me, even though I don't have a Patreon anymore. And I also have a Ko-Fi if you want to, like, if you like an episode and want to send me a coffee. Except it's not a coffee. You would be buying me, I don't know, like, helping me buy Chinese food or whatever. (laughs) You could do that. Those are in the description. And like I said, next week or whenever, I think it'll be next week, I will be talking about the deep, like, the rich, rich text, which is their Instagrams. Okay, that's it. I'll talk to you guys later. Bye. If you wanna see some wet ass pussy Your girl need to go and that's a honey Take it to me back in the mixer Wanna come up with your stuff I got you hot, I'll press and watch a nap What's up, I'm right back I just read a cup back Plain Jane get high tech Don't like me, then tell me how you like that Like that I don't wanna spit, I wanna go I wanna gag, I wanna choke I want you to touch that little dangly thing That's swinging in the back of my throat My hair game is fire, but I need the sun It's going and drying, it's coming outside Yeah, I'll run that down, I'll cut it down I'm just going to get smacked and I heat trying to sign me
Switch my wig, make him feel like he's G10. Put him on his knees, give him something to believe in. Never lost a fight, but I'm looking for a beat. In the food chain, I'm the one that eat you. If he ate my ass, he's a bottom feeder. Big D stand for big demeanor. I can make you buzz before I ever meet you. If it don't hang, then he can't bang. You can't hurt my feelings, but I like pain. If he fucks me and ask who's is it when I ride the dick, I'ma spell my name. Look, I need a hard hit, I need a deep stroke. I need a handy trick, I need a weed smoke. Not a garden snake, I need a king cobra with a hook in it. Hope it leaves over. He got some money, then that's where I'm headed. Pussy ain't one, just like his credit. He got a beard when I'm trying to wet it. I let him test now, he diabetic. I don't want to spit, I want to go, I want to gag, I want to choke. I want you to touch that little dangly thing that's swinging the back of my throat. My hair can just fire, but I need the sun. It's going and drying, it's coming outside. Y'all running that down, the cops behind me. I still risk my and I hit you on the side. Y'all, I'm a freak bitch, can't cuff leash. Switch my wig, make them feel like a cheat. Put him on his knees, give him something to believe in. Never lost a fight, but I'm looking for a beat. Yeah, 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 yeah. You fucking with some wet ass pussy. 